Chapter Five of *The Legacy of Cain*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. *The Legacy of Cain* by Wilkie Collins. Chapter Five. Miss Chance asserts herself. The services of our medical officer were required in order to hasten the recovery of the prisoner's senses. When the doctor and I left the cell together she was composed and ready in the performance of her promise to listen to the exhortations of the minister the sleeping child was left undisturbed by the mother's desire if the minister felt tempted to regret what he had done there was the artless influence which would check him as we stepped into the corridor i gave the female warder her instructions to remain on the watch and to return to her post when she saw the minister come out in the meantime my companion had walked on a little way possessed of ability and experience within the limits of his profession he was in other respects a man with a crotchety mind bold to the verge of recklessness in the expression of his opinion and possessed of a command of language that carried everything before it let me add that he was just and merciful in his intercourse with others and i have summed him up fairly enough when i joined him he seemed to be absorbed in reflection thinking of the prisoner i said thinking of what is going on at this moment in the condemned cell he answered and wondering if any good will come of it i was not without hope of a good result and i said so the doctor disagreed with me i don't believe in that woman's penitence he remarked and i look upon the parson as a poor weak creature what is to become of the child there was no reason for concealing from one of my colleagues the benevolent decision on the part of the good minister of which i had been a witness the doctor listened to me with the first appearance of downright astonishment that i had ever observed in his face when i had done he made an extraordinary reply governor i retract what i said of the parson just now he is one of the boldest men that ever stepped into a pulpit was the doctor in earnest strongly in earnest there could be no doubt of it before i could ask him what he meant he was called away to a patient on the other side of the prison when we parted at the door of my room i made it a request that my medical friend would return to me and explain what he had just said considering that you are the governor of a prison he replied you are a singularly rash man if i come back how do you know i shall not bore you my rashness runs the risk of that i rejoined tell me something before i allow you to run your risk he said are you one of those people who think that the tempers of children are formed by the accidental influences which happen to be about them or do you agree with me that the tempers of children are inherited from their parents the doctor as i concluded was still strongly impressed by the minister's resolution to adopt a child whose wicked mother had committed the most atrocious of all crimes was some serious foreboding in secret possession of his mind my curiosity to hear him was now increased tenfold i replied without hesitation i agree with you he looked at me with his sense of humour twinkling in his eyes do you know i rather expected that answer he said slyly all right i'll come back left by myself i took up the day's newspaper my attention wandered my thoughts were in the cell with the minister and the prisoner how would it end sometimes i was inclined to doubt with the doctor sometimes i took refuge in my own more hopeful view 
these idle reflections were agreeably interrupted by the appearance of my friend the chaplain you are always welcome i said and doubly welcome just now i am feeling a little worried and anxious and you are naturally the chaplain added not at all disposed to receive a stranger is the stranger a friend of yours i asked oh no having occasion just now to go into the waiting-room i found a young woman there who asked me if she could see you she thinks you have forgotten her and she is tired of waiting i merely undertook of course to mention what she had said to me the nurse having been in this way recalled to my memory i felt some little interest in seeing her after what had passed in the cell in plainer words i was desirous of judging for myself whether she deserved the hostile feeling which the prisoner had shown toward her i thanked the chaplain before he left me and gave the servant the necessary instructions when she entered the room i looked at the woman attentively for the first time youth and a fine complexion a well-made figure and a natural grace of movement these were her personal attractions so far as i could see her defects were to my mind equally noticeable under a heavy forehead her piercing eyes looked out at persons and things with an expression which was not to my taste her large mouth another defect in my opinion would have been recommended to mercy in the estimation of many men by her magnificent teeth white well-shaped cruelly regular believers in physiognomy might perhaps have seen the betrayal of an obstinate nature in the lengthy firmness of her chin while i am trying to describe her let me not forget her dress a woman's dress is the mirror in which we may see the reflection of a woman's nature bearing in mind the melancholy and impressive circumstances under which she had brought the child to the prison the gaiety of colour in her gown and her bonnet implied either a total want of feeling or a total want of tact as to her position in life let me confess that i felt after a closer examination at a loss to determine it she was certainly not a lady the prisoner had spoken of her as if she was a domestic servant who had forfeited her right to consideration and respect and she had entered the prison as a nurse might have entered it in charge of a child i did what we all do when we are not clever enough to find the answer to a riddle i gave it up what can i do for you i asked perhaps you can tell me she answered how much longer i am to be kept waiting in this prison the decision i reminded her doesn't depend on me then who does it depend on the minister had undoubtedly acquired the sole right of deciding it was for him to say whether this woman should or should not remain in attendance on the child whom he had adopted in the meanwhile the feeling of distrust which was gaining on my mind warned me to remember the value of reserve in holding intercourse with a stranger she seemed to be irritated by my silence if the decision doesn't rest with you she asked why did you tell me to stay in the waiting-room you brought the little girl into the prison i said was it not natural to suppose that your mistress might want you stop sir i had evidently given offence i stopped directly no person on the face of the earth she declared loftily has ever had the right to call herself my mistress of my own free will sir i took charge of the child because you are fond of her i suggested i hate her it was unwise on my part i protested hate a baby little more than a year old i said 
her baby she said it with the air of a woman who had produced an unanswerable reason i am accountable to nobody she went on if i consented to trouble myself with the child it was in remembrance of my friendship notice if you please that i say friendship with the unhappy father putting together what i had just heard and what i had seen in the cell i drew the right conclusion at last the woman whose position in life had been thus far an impenetrable mystery to me now stood revealed as one among other objects of the prisoner's jealousy during her disastrous married life a serious doubt occurred to me as to the authority under which the husband's mistress might be acting after the husband's death i instantly put it to the test do i understand you to assert any claim to the child i asked claim she repeated i know no more of the child than you do i heard for the first time that such a creature was in existence when her murdered father sent for me in his dying moments at his entreaty i promised to take care of her while her vile mother was out of the house and in the hands of the law my promise has been performed if i am expected having brought her to the prison to take her away again understand this i am under no obligation even if i could afford it to burden myself with that child i shall hand her over to the workhouse authorities i forgot myself once more i lost my temper leave the room i said your unworthy hands will not touch the poor baby again she is provided for i don't believe you the wretch burst out who has taken the child a quiet voice answered i have taken her we both looked round and saw the minister standing in the open doorway with the child in his arms the ordeal that he had gone through in the condemned cell was visible in his face he looked miserably haggard and broken i was eager to know if his merciful interest in the prisoner had purified her guilty soul but at the same time i was afraid after what he had but too plainly suffered to ask him to enter into details only one word i said are your anxieties at rest god's mercy has helped me he answered i have not spoken in vain she believes she repents she has confessed the crime after handing the written and signed confession to me he approached the venomous creature still lingering in the room to hear what passed between us before i could stop him he spoke to her under a natural impression that he was addressing the prisoner's servant i am afraid you will be disappointed he said when i tell you that your services will no longer be required i have reasons for placing the child under the care of a nurse of my own choosing she listened with an evil smile i know who furnished you with your reasons she answered apologies are quite needless so far as i am concerned if you had proposed to me to look after the new member of your family there i should have felt it my duty to myself to have refused i am not a nurse i am an independent single lady i see by your dress that you are a clergyman allow me to present myself as a mark of respect to your cloth i am miss elizabeth chance may i ask the favour of your name too weary and too preoccupied to notice the insolence of her manner the minister mentioned his name i am anxious he said to know if the child has been baptized perhaps you can enlighten me still insolent miss elizabeth chance shook her head carelessly i never heard and to tell you the truth i never cared to hear whether she was christened or not call her by what name you like i can tell you this 
you will find your adopted daughter a heavy handful the minister turned to me what does she mean i will try to tell you miss chance interposed being a clergyman you know who deborah was very well i am deborah now and i prophesy she pointed to the child remember what i say reverend sir you will find the tigress cub take after its mother with those parting words she favored us with a low curtsy and left the room end of chapter five